Good morning, podcast listeners. Welcome to episode 31 of the Neuro Experience Podcast. I am Louisa Nicola. I am your host, and today is Thursday interview day. And joining me all the way from sunny California is Dr. Brady Salcedo. Dr. Brady Salcedo is a chiropractor by nature, but he went on this journey. Um, we, we went on this journey to understand more about how you can have a more high performance life by working on your brain. And something that I pick his brain a lot, almost on a weekly basis, is the keto diet. Because I know a lot of you listening now understand that nutrition plays a major role in the performance of your athletic career, or even you know how you perform on a day to day basis. So we're speaking to this doctor about. What can we do? What diet um, is most beneficial to us, you know, to have a more high performance life, to perform better, to sleep better, to decrease inflammation? Um, because a lot of you have a lot of inflammation in your body because you work out so much. So we're going to be speaking a lot about hydration, nutrition, and it, this interview is jam-packed full of little tips, tricks, and strategies that you can use on a daily basis to have a more high-performance life. So listen up and let's get into it. Welcome to the Neuro Experience. I am your host, Louisa Nicola. I am a mathematician, former Australian triathlete, and neuro-performance coach. I am your brain coach. I know what it takes to succeed at the highest levels, and I'm here to show you how to get from where you are to where you want to be. This show is designed to teach you scientific mental strategies that you can use and implement to get results fast. So expect to be fearless, take notes, and take action. Let's get into it. So a little bit about me. I'm a chiropractor by nature. That's my trade. That's what I do full-time. And, you know, as soon as I started my practice, we grew this nice, really thriving practice out here. And I started just trying to deal with, as I'm sure many of your listeners have probably felt, that that part of yourself that always goes like, man, I feel like I need to be doing something more. I feel like I'm not doing enough or I feel like I'm not living quite in that center of my purpose. I'm really not doing the thing I'm meant to do. And I just kept getting emails and I would hear my patients always say, you got to start a podcast. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it was everything other than what I was doing in my practice. But I just loved educating people. I loved talking to people. And I started to stumble upon that. Like the brain just became so fascinating to me because I'll make a long story really short. I grew up with a lot of different health challenges, but one of the big ones that I didn't even realize that I really struggled with a lot was just anxiety and especially social anxiety. And as soon as I got my health together, it seemed like my entire life totally changed around. And I realized there was this blend of health and personal development that took place and intersected right in the brain. And now ever since then, I've just become absolutely obsessed with finding out how do I create this ultimate high performance brain? Because if you can create a high performance brain, you can then create a high performance life. So that's what the neuro lifestyle is all about. And that's what we do. That's so interesting because everybody I speak to who's in this area of high performance or in the area of neuroperformance, it's all come from a need of self-help. Everybody has gone through something and they've become absolutely obsessed with understanding how they can make their brain into, you know, a high performance brain. So that's so interesting. It's also, um, I'd like to know, is there a particular area of focus that you like most when it comes to that or is it just the brain? Oh man, that's a tough question. I kind of like it all. You know, I go through phases. So there was a good period of time where I was like, how do I move to really like get this high performance brain? What does movement do? And so I kind of feel like I stumble upon many different ways, but right now 
my focus has really been on the nutrition side of things. That seems to be something right now that I'm doing a lot of work on because I think there needs to be more focus on that. And I think there's a big need out there for it. There's not much written on how do we create a high performance brain through what we eat. You know, there's some things out there, but there has never been anything that's really been compiled and put together, which is going to be part of the new book that I'm writing that should be coming out hopefully next year. And um, that's kind of been my main area of focus right now. But again, it just kind of it always fluctuates back and forth. I'm one of those ADHD learners. <laughs> I'm constantly moving from passion to passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I've become fascinated in um, that area actually the you know the area of brain nutrition and what you should be eating to you know being be able to perform better think faster focus longer focus you know is one of the biggest determinants i think to success because we use a lot of eeg headsets at neuroathletics and i ask my clients all the time i say how well do you think you focus in a game for example in a 90 minute soccer game and they're like oh i can focus the entire time it's like really and then you put on the eeg headset and their uh, focus endurance is probably like you know three seconds out of five minutes so and i think you know when you really look at that i think nutrition does play a major role in that especially with some people who experience brain fog first thing in the morning you look at their nutrition you take a few things out and then you know three days later they, they they're not experiencing it anymore so let's I, that's what i actually want to focus on nutrition so let's um yeah so tell us a bit about i guess is there any specific type of food that is bad yeah there definitely there's plenty out there that's bad you know i think to build off your what you were just saying before one thing that i would I would say for a lot of people, because a lot of people can make the connection between food and brain, but it seems to be this difficult thing that people don't quite understand or people don't quite have enough to make that connection and make it as powerful. And one of the things I tell a lot of people, especially athletes or entrepreneurs, is you want to think of every food that you're putting into your body as either building inflammation or it's taking it away. Mm. And think of inflammation as almost brain resistance. And so when you think about trying, let's say you're talking about an athlete, because you were working with soccer players before, like we talked about before, you know, imagine a soccer player that's now trying to have this brain that's trying to think quick on the field but now it's working with like a 20 pound weight vest yeah like okay if you're really athletic sure you can push past that for a little bit but after a while that starts to wear down your brain you start to think slower you start to get more instances of brain fog your energy starts to suffer and this resistance builds up it's cumulative over time and so everything you put in your body is either making your body and your brain lighter and makes it function better or it's creating more resistance so some of the things that are like the biggest detriments to brain performance and really wreak a lot of havoc on our body the primary one that i see the most of is sugar you know any sources of sugar and that can even be and that's what really led me down to the high carbohydrate diets as well so you know you think of sugar like your snickers your candy bars things like that those break down into sugar in the body into glucose and leads to this high spike in blood sugar which creates tons of inflammation in our body and your brain is the most sensitive organ in your body to inflammation that's the one that's going to sense it the most so you don't have a snicker bar and go oh man my liver doesn't feel so hot today but your brain goes wow that really sucks i don't like that i'm not feeling as great but even a high carbohydrate diet you think carbohydrates especially high levels or even processed carbohydrates when you eat those they still get digested into sugar in the body. Yeah. So inadvertently, you're getting tons in this huge load of sugar. So yeah, you can have your Snicker bar, but if you're going and having that garlic bread right after two, it's going to feel pretty darn similar because it breaks down the same way in the body. Now, they're used differently, and there's different 
you know ingredients that are in there that make it so I don't think that's you know all there is to it but I think that's one thing that often gets overlooked is high carbohydrate diets really wreak a lot of havoc on the brain because the brain just gets overloaded with this glucose so one of the things we teach people is to train their metabolisms to start becoming fat burners and mm-hmm. that's using the strategies of ketosis to use fat for fuel instead of sugar and that's probably the first the biggest one that i work with a lot of people on the second one then is getting into high quality nutrients so a lot of people if you're just not getting good quality nutrients if you're starving your brain of nutrients and not giving those good quality nutrients your brain's going to suffer wait let's i'm going to hold you there because i'm very excited about something you've said ketosis okay i want to i'm going to focus on that and then we're going to go into the nutrients so we don't get off track let's let's now ketosis I'm very big on this diet. As you know, I, I, I think I told you a few weeks ago, I actually, I got into it. I, I did the, you know, I didn't want to just do it half-assed. I went and had a, I went and had a DEXA scan. So I measured my body fat percentage. I mes- measured my lean body mass. And then I said, okay, great. I'm going to go on a keto diet, which was, I think the ratio is 75% fat. Uh, is that correct? And then 15% yes protein yeah exactly so i went on that ratio and i have never i'm not just saying this i have never felt better and i have i used to struggle a lot with sugar cravings i was uh, it was like i always need i used to tell you know you know trick my brain into thinking that i needed chocolate to survive and as soon as i switched to a, a high fat diet introducing you know um grass-fed butter, introducing more lean meats, introducing just more fats rather than carbohydrates, it really diminished my sugar cravings and my hunger. And I thought, if, if a diet can do that to me, I'm all for it. So can you talk to us a bit more about the keto ketosis diet, or the keto diet, sorry? Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the big things we hear a lot of people say is like, wow, I've never felt so good. I've never had so little cravings in my entire life. And you're eating the things that you love, like coconut oil. You're eating butter, for God's sake. I know. It's awesome. Like, it's one of the best things I ever stumbled upon. All right, so keto diet. Essentially, when you're talking about the keto diet, the whole point of the keto diet or the ketogenic diet or anything like that or ketosis is we're trying to train the body to use fat for fuel. Fat gets broken down to something called ketones, ketones, keto, keto diet. That's essentially what we're trying to do. The ketogenic diet tends to be a high fat, low carbohydrate diet simply because we want to force the body to stop using sugar basically because of many people's diets that are already so high in carbohydrates. I like to say that we've built these metabolic grooves where our body's used to running off sugar, wants to run off sugar. And in order to create a new groove to burn fat, We literally have to force the body away from sugar. So we can't have any sugar in our diet, and that sugar will even come from things like carbohydrates. So that's why the ketogenic diet has that low-carbohydrate profile. And then as you go through that ketogenic diet, what happens is as your body transitions and gets used to using fat for fuel and actually creates that new metabolic groove, you then get into a state that's known as fat adapted or what's called keto adapted. And once you're in that state, then you can start playing around more with your carbohydrates once your body's gotten used to that and actually finding the right and perfect amount of carbohydrates that's for your activity level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we get stuck on the ratio sometimes, especially for athletes, you know, if they're working out two times a day, they can't really go off of 10% carbohydrate diet. They need to be probably a little bit more. And so that's where we kind of tweak people from there. But the keto diet is so powerful for so many reasons, including brain performance, but even athletic performance as well. I think so too. And I'm actually doing the 
um, blood reading every you know every second day I look to oh, see awesome. if I'm in nutritional ketosis and it's crazy to think that you know you can be knocked out of it with a single meal um, so it makes it very difficult to be social as well during this time and it takes a while you don't just get into you know that's the that's the thing that I find a lot of people think oh I'm on the keto diet I'm in ketosis within a few days but it actually takes a while to get into nutritional ketosis correct Oh, a long time. A lot yeah. longer than people would think. It's like you have to get rid of all of the carbohydrate stores in your body. And then, you know, that t- t- that should take a very, it takes about two months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And for some people, it can take even longer. For instance, my uh, my sister right now is transitioning on to the ketogenic diet. We have her on a program right now. And she's been going for almost five weeks now and still hasn't quite broken into that. Now, she's gotten into ketosis, but she can break out really fast. And her body just hasn't quite gotten fat adapted yet. She's still going through that keto flu, mm. right, that transition oh. period where your body's finally working through all that kind of sludge of being stuck on carbohydrates for so long. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you're absolutely right that can take quite some time for a good amount of people so but that's the thing is once you get through it you're there you made it you know you're finally fat adapted and that's when all the great benefits happen once you push through you've just got to push through and i think that you know a lot of the listeners are gym addicts whether they're you know whether they're fitness addicts whether they're um, athletes themselves and i get asked a lot of the time but you know like you just said but i'm an athlete i need to i need to be having like 100 grams of carbohydrates a day what would you say to somebody to try and you know educate them and say to them you actually don't need that many just because you're you know you may be going to the gym two hours a day yeah, so you, maybe you would be surprised at how well fat works as a fuel source. Yeah. There are so many studies out there that show how effective ketones are for producing the amount of effort and force and work that you need to do to get the results that you want. Now, that being said, if you're an athlete that's going out and performing, you are going to need a little bit more carbohydrates, but 100 grams tends to be a lot. So the best thing that I tell people to do is to start small and build your way up. If you start feeling like you're really getting fatigued and you're starting to feel down when you're let's say at 30 grams, let's say of carbohydrates, whatever that percentage is Mm. for you, then you probably need to go up just a little bit more depending on your lifestyle. One thing that's really helpful is ketogenic.com has a keto calculator and they help you find what is your typical percentage for your body mass, your body type. And so basically what I tell people to do is you start there because that's a good minimum Mm -hmm. ground. And then if you're working out a lot, you can start increasing that slightly. So you're going to go, let's say you start at 30, you're going to go 35, 40, 45, 50, but you're not going to double it. You know, a lot of people hear that like, oh, if I work out a lot, I can have a lot more. So let me just double or triple it. <laughs> like that's a little too much. You'd be surprised. Carbohydrates can go a long, long way, but so does fat and so does protein. Yes. To fuel a workout, it doesn't just need carbs. You need the protein, you need the fats. And that's why the ketogenic diet is such a great ratio because you're using clean fuel in fat and you're getting the right kinds of protein. You're not getting too much protein. You're getting just the right amount of protein, which is another thing I find with a lot of athletes as well too. We want to eat a lot of protein, but getting too much protein can actually throw you out of Mm -hmm. ketosis. So that's why the ketogenic diet is so great because it gives you just enough protein to sustain your activity level without going over and then making your body store that excess protein which is really really important it definitely is i think the biggest game changer for me was getting rid of my oats and um grains that was that changed my life i didn't think it would but it really changed my life yeah what did you notice when you switched um i know you know what i noticed i noticed that 
I'm, I actually get hungrier when I eat carbohydrates. So eating um, a yeah. fat-fueled breakfast, you know, I've switched to eggs now in the morning, eggs and avocado. And it used to be oats with, you know, some banana. And I used to get hungry, you know, a few hours later. And I think maybe it's just because of the amount of training I'm doing. But now I actually don't get, I actually have to say, okay, we need to eat now. Like it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and one thing that I tell a lot of people is imagine carbohydrates, when they break down into sugar in your body, sugar is one of the most powerful substances in your body that influences your brain. It literally stimulates the same center that cocaine does. It mm. is so, so powerful. So guess what happens is after two hours, after you have a carbohydrate-rich meal, let's say with oats or bread or pasta, guess what happens in two hours? You run out of that glucose that you just ate. Your body goes through this dump of where now it was on a sugar high and now it's sugar low. Mm. And guess what? Your body wants that again. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go through withdrawal quite yet, but it's gonna tell you, "Hey, I want more of that." And so I have people all the time go, "Wow, I don't know why I have to eat every two to three hours." It's not that you really need to eat every two to three hours. It's that your body's telling you. Your brain is literally tricking you because it wants to get that sugar high again. And a lot of times that can be from carbohydrates just as much as it is from a candy bar or anything else. So I've noticed the same thing ever since I switched over is I am in so much more control of when I eat, how I eat, how much I eat because now my appetite is within my control. I'm not getting forced by my brain that's literally tweaking and saying, hey, I need more sugar. Absolutely. And you've mentioned earlier, when I cut you off, you mentioned earlier about supplementation and nutrient-rich diet. And I, I love that because there's so many vitamins and supplements on the market. And a lot of people think, you know, oh, I need iron just because I'm tired or I need some fish oil. And they go and get these really low-grade quality uh, supplements from, you know, the local store, which here it's called Coles. It's like your, um, it's just like your regular uh, food market. And I, I always advise, I, I advise anybody, you know, any of my athletes, if you're going to look at supplementation, look at the quality, look at the brand, because it really does affect you in the end. You could actually be doing yourself more harm than good. Oh, 100%. That's one of the biggest issues that we have right now in the supplement industry is poor quality nutrients, just not quality sourced nutrients. And that's one of the biggest things we find. And typically, I always tell people, you get what you pay for. Very rarely do I see a supplement that's on, you know, let's say you're looking at Amazon or something like that, and you're looking at an Amazon bestseller. Typically, that will not be your best bet. You Mm -hmm. have to do a little bit of research. You got to find the right supplements that work. But also, just because I want to say this, you know, with with uh, the right context here, just because somebody says, let's say their headaches went away because they took fish oil Mm. or they lost weight because they took exogenous ketones doesn't mean that's exactly what you need. Everybody is completely different and bioidentical and nutrients work differently in certain people than they do others. And your genetic makeup is going to influence the way your body uses specific nutrients and how it absorbs. I mean, there's so many different factors at work. So one of the best things that you can do is actually stay on top and actually get your blood tested to see what do you actually need? What could actually be beneficial? And then once you have a baseline, you know, okay, you know, my iron levels are good. Okay, well, if iron worked to help Joe get his energy up, I probably don't need iron because my iron's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So then you can start working down the line and finding what are some other alternatives that have been shown to increase energy that are healthy, that are natural, that aren't going to you know throw off your body that are beneficial for you, if that makes sense. And so when it comes to supplements, that's one of the biggest things that I find. But again, I say you can't out-supplement a good diet, and that's where Absolutely. just having good quality nutrition, getting tons of good 
colors in your diet is going to make the biggest difference beyond any other supplement that you could possibly put into your body. Do you have a supplement stack that is a stable for you every day? Every day I take spirulina, Mm -hmm. chlorella, and I take a lot of them. I take a lot. I use a company called Energy Bits, and they're the best, highest quality supplementation for chlorella and spirulina that I found. So I take that every single day. I also take a DHA. Mm -hmm. DHA is essential for building a healthy brain. Also, has been shown to increase neuroplasticity in the brain. I also take magnesium every day, turmeric. There's one more I'm missing. There's one more I'm missing. Potassium? I'm too. I'm throwing a bunch out. I, have, I also have an adaptogenic mushroom blend that oh, I use as well. Nice. I um, yeah, I've I've got most of those. I include. I have krill oil. Um, oh, yeah. In my, yeah. Yep. Um, I have zinc, and I do a lot of. You know, I've you know, I'm always into hacking, and I'm always trying new things. But my staples would be exact. You know, almost exactly the same as yours. And I feel if I have um, if I get off anything, it's not like dramatic difference in my performance but I do notice that I perform better when I'm on routine and when my body knows okay she's going to take this now she's going to take this now so as soon as I stop taking my supplements that's when I feel like you know I kind of change in my performance in my level of thinking in my level to you know do normal everyday things yeah absolutely and I always say you know I'm constantly trying to build my stack. I'm trying to figure out what's going to really help me long-term. So all those things that I mentioned, I've taken consistently because I've noticed a difference while taking those. And then every time I experiment with something, I don't try four things at once. I'll just try one new thing and add mm-hmm. it in for you know a month and see how I feel when I do that. If I notice a difference, great, that's going to get added to the stack. If it didn't really do much for me, well, I'm not going to do it just because you know I heard Tim Ferriss did it. Mm-hmm. You know, If it doesn't work for me, it's not going to work. So that just doesn't become part of the stack. But I'm always kind of constantly trying different things that I see or that I read about or research and seeing how and if they work for me and how are you what are your views on MCT oil oh I love MCT oil I actually use it's called caprylic acid and caprylic acid would be just a different form it's kind of more broken down MCT and it's basically more ketogenic so it produces more ketones than MCT oil does but I love MCT oil it's a great staple especially if you're trying to get into a ketogenic diet but I always tell people ease into it because it can be a little rough for some people when they Mm -hmm. first ease into it but I definitely recommend if you're already into MCT oil try also caprylic acid which would be like Bulletproof's um, brain octane oil Mm -hmm. things like that works really really well that's what I'm actually on that's what I have in my bulletproof coffee every morning and that is my favorite time when I'm making that that coffee in the morning I get so excited um me too so let's just touch on um some exercise for a moment there when you're on the ketogenic diet because that's really interesting is I was talking to um you know a health expert about this diet who suggested that a lot of things can throw you out, like exercise-wise, can throw you out of ketosis, such as they recommend you going for a long walk, for example, and not doing, you know, HIIT training, high-intensity training. But then it's like, you know, and then I question, well, how do you preserve muscle mass? And then, you know, the advice was you lift extremely heavy. And it's like, where is that happy medium? How do you get a lean body whilst also staying in ketosis? Is, it, is the secret just lifting heavy? So here, here's the secret with this, and here's why a lot of people, um, I've heard this a couple times from people who would say high-intensity exercise is not good or it throws you out of ketosis. Here's exactly why. High-intensity exercise has been shown to increase the uptake of ketones, so it actually helps your metabolism actually use ketones better because you know when you're in this keto diet and everybody thinks we want to have 
the highest level of ketones possible, right? We want to have this, we want to be super deep into ketosis, quote unquote, because that means our body's using ketones. Well, the science doesn't quite back that. The science says that as your body gets used to being in ketosis and becomes more fat adapted, your body actually won't get into these super high states of ketosis because your body's going to be better equipped to use those ketones. So you're not going to have the significant high levels of blood ketones as you will, if that makes sense, if I'm saying that clearly. Mm. So high intensity exercise has been one of the most profound ways to stimulate the uptake of ketones and actually has been shown to increase the amount of ketone receptors on your cells, which is absolutely crazy and mind blowing. So obviously when you're doing high intensity exercise, your body's going to be using a ton of ketones ketones so if you were to test your ketone levels right after working out guess what you're going to show no ketones it's going to be as if you were thrown out of ketosis but the reality is you still are in ketosis your body's using ketones very efficiently but it's not showing up in your blood if i'm saying that correctly because Mm -hmm. i love high intensity exercise especially in combination with something like intermittent fasting Mm -hmm. if you're using that in combination or conjunction with the ketogenic diet um that would be my first choice would be high intensity exercising but especially if you're someone who's not used to it um i use that definitely in conjunction with aerobic training aerobic training would be a large majority of it would be aerobic training, probably say like 60%, and then the rest would be high-intensity exercise as somebody kind of is transitioning and getting used to that again. And how about strength work, like lifting heavy to preserve muscle mass? Yeah, so you can use you can use you know weightlifting with high-intensity exercise. Now, if you're going for power and you're going for absolute brute, brute strength and muscle mass development – the one thing you're going to have to take a look at is making sure that you are getting carbohydrates, some small levels of carbohydrates immediately after your workouts because insulin in particular is important for building muscle mass. So right after a workout is when you'd want to, if you're sticking to the ketogenic diet, get something like a zucchini or a more carbohydrate-rich vegetable right afterwards, like a spaghetti squash. Like the squashes are really great sources. They fill you up, but they get your insulin up just enough to be able to produce that muscle boosting effect. I thought you were honestly going to say something nice like a banana, but you've you've said zucchini. <laughs> okay, I've never heard of that, but that's a good one to know. Um, no, you can't you can't use fruit too, but you know with most people it it just becomes that slippery slope. If yeah. I wanna, you know, for me especially, if I have one banana, I want to have two. If I have a handful of blueberries, it becomes you know the entire carton of blueberries. So I like using things like zucchini because it helps keep my my appetite down. But I'm also like. I'm a tweaker for sweets. Like, I love sweets. That's why we don't have them in the house at all. Because yeah. I have one, I'll have <laughs> That's what I'm like as well. It's like it's we've just got to go cold turkey or um, or we just can't have it in the, in the apartment. Um, but something, Brady, I am very big on, and I'm not sure if you know this, it's hydration. So I was... Um, you know, I was a triathlete, very competitive, raced for Australia, went international, and I became obsessed with hydration and the brain. And then I looked at a lot of studies and did a lot of research, especially when I was doing my master's around hydration and the uh, alkalinity, I should say, and the brain. And there's a lot of mixed reviews about, you know, acidosis, alkalinity, but my main focus was we were training so hard. We were training, you know, four to five hours a day, which increases, you know, the level of cortisol in the body, which obviously increases your rate of acidosis. So I went on this journey to understand more about, you know, alkaline. And I just thought, I just want to make my diet more alkaline because everything can make your body acidic, you know, from your mental emotions, from your physical, um, you know, how you 
physically exert yourself, all of these different things. So then I became obsessed with understanding hydration, first of all, and then understanding uh, alkaline water. And then I actually developed a product. It took us around a year to develop. It's called Diamond H2O. And a lot of the, you know, it's recommended for anybody who wants to turn their water into a, um, you know, an 8.5 to 9 pH level. Because when you look at out, you know, when you do some studies on the tap water, it's uh, it's sitting at a pH of around seven. So I promote an alkaline based. You know, whenever you drink water, I always, you know, I promote three liters a day of hydration of water, and it's got to be alkaline. So have you done any research into hydration, or can you give any, I guess, your views on? you know, hydration in the brain or even alkalinity in the brain. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hydration is one of those things that is absolutely critical for the brain. Like I always say, remember those those movies, probably like the 90s movies where like somebody's in a bathtub full of water and like for some dumb reason, there's like a like electric appliance like on the counter of the bathtub right <laughs> next to the water and then somehow it falls in and that person gets electrocuted to their doom, right? Like one of those yeah. like bizarre scenarios, right? But it really it just illustrates how well electricity works in water. And when you think about the brain, the brain is this very delicate system that requires a very specific balance of water and nutrients to be able to do its job effectively. And there's so many studies that show when you don't get enough water, it affects your mood, it affects your memory, it affects your concentration, it literally shrinks your brain because it's not getting the amount of fluids, synaptic connections actually shrink in distance. I mean, there's so many different things that come into this. And, you know, when we look at hydration, one of the funny things is, is it seems, especially when you don't get a very nutrient-rich diet, especially coming from like good leafy greens or vegetables, that people aren't uptaking water as good as they were before. So that concept of getting half your body weight in ounces just isn't doing the trick anymore, especially if it's not good quality water. It's not high pH water. And one of the ways or reasons that we think that we're not getting enough water as we were before, not uptaking enough water, is because it's not alkaline. When you get water from vegetables and from nutrient-dense foods like kale, spinach, things like that, the water in there is so much different. They almost, I'm researching a lot and do structured water and things like that, but alkalinity is thought to be one of the reasons why it's able to get absorbed a little bit easier than, say, your standard tap water. Mm. And so now my, I used to be that guy who was like, you know, half your body weight in ounces seems to be a pretty good standard. I would say even more. I would say, you know, definitely that three liters and beyond would definitely be good for most people, and especially if you're someone like me who sweats a ton. Like mm-hmm. when I work out, I sweat a ton, oh, really? which means while I sleep, I'm probably sweating even more. So, you know, more is always way better than, than none, especially if you can get alkaline definitely do that and definitely make sure you're getting nutrient dense foods that can also give you that extra supply of that alkaline water. Yes, everything um, comes down to just bettering yourself and bettering your performance. And I think if you can hack your water, which is a simple thing because we, and most effective thing, because we all drink water, we all need it, um, then that's probably the easiest way to, you know, start this whole neuro performance lifestyle that you talk about. Yeah, exactly. And to touch right back just real quick on the keto conversation we had before, many people don't realize when you're on keto that your body lowers its insulin. Insulin helps your body keep salt Mm. and minerals. So when you're on keto, many people have a tendency to lose a lot of electrolytes, so you're also going to lose water Mm. with that. So when you are going keto, you definitely need to have a lot more water and definitely need to be getting plenty of electrolytes while you're doing that to make sure you are staying hydrated because your body will be kind of flushing a lot of those out as you're transitioning especially. Absolutely. So 
Brady, we have a philosophy at neuroathletics, and that is the mind is what the brain does. So we focus a lot on mental fitness. Literally, we're like a, a gym for your brain. So what are your let's let's look into let's move away from the brain, which is basically, you know, what I believe if you it's the building blocks of your entire life and the powerhouse of your body. If you can build your brain, then your mind will follow. And there's this you know, there's this growing concern in the media of um, this word mindfulness. And we hear the word mindfulness and we think, okay, meditation, yoga, uh, what, you know, a lot of people don't really understand how to start training your mind and how to start training your brain. So if you were to talk to somebody or give advice to somebody who wants to start Um, being the best version of themselves by training their mind, what's the first thing uh, that they should get into, do you believe? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot more recently, and one of the biggest things that I think most people need to get straight before they get into things like mindfulness and things like that is just getting clarity on what they want to achieve. I think that's one of the first things, and getting clarity on their direction that they want to go, and some people call this purpose, some people call it your why, Mm. and I found getting that first it makes mindfulness so much easier because it puts perspective into everything that you do you know if you don't understand why you are here what's your purposes for what you're doing you know for someone like you your purpose with neuroathletics if you had no idea why you were doing it or what you were doing every aspect of what you try to do with neuroathletics would not be fruitful and it would be very difficult it'd be like running on a treadmill every day not getting anywhere it's like let's just put in the work but we don't we don't know what the result is so let's just keep running this course exactly exactly and i find with so many people when it comes to things like meditation like i've talked with plenty of people who talk about i just can't seem to meditate Mm. okay well what's your goal with meditation like what are you trying to achieve and a lot of times it's moving away from something I don't want to be as anxious. I don't want to do this. Or I'm trying to not think about this. Okay, well, that's half the battle. The other half is understanding what do you want to move towards? What is your goal? What is your, what is your, what's your mission? What's your purpose with this? Because when you're in alignment with that, you don't have to keep pushing towards it. You get pulled towards it. And that's a huge clarification that I think many people miss. And they try to do all the right things. But if you don't have the alignment, you're going to be working against gravity. Mm, I believe so too. And I do think that the word mindfulness is just um, mainstream media's way of saying being in the present where there's so much more. I, you know, we haven't even reached the surface on a global level yet of what the, you know, brain training is. It's a, it's a fairly new concept. And let me tell you, uh, in Australia, where it'd be generous of me to say that we are at least 10 years behind the American market and people here haven't really caught on to this whole, you know, mindset and brain training. They just, you know, they immediately, they hear the word mindset, they hear the word mental fitness, and they just think psychology and you've got to have a, it's more like a, a bandaid method like you know if you have a breakdown or if you have depression that's when you go and see somebody whereas we are really strong in you know advocating that you should be training your brain every single day the exact same amount of times that you train your body and it's like you know people if you can't see physical results they think well what's the point of doing it it's like do you know how significantly better your life would be if you every single day you were on a um you know you're on a 
brain nutrition diet, like you were, you fix up your nutrition, you were doing some meditation in the morning, you were doing, you know, something even as simple as journaling your thoughts before you go to bed so you could have a better sleep or hacking your sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's something that I'm really trying to push. And it's hard. It's hard to really get out a new concept to the world. Um, so what are your, I guess, what are your views on, on, doing something like this being on a mental performance program every day even though you've you've experienced you know you're not getting any anxiety you just want to be you just want to perform better even if you're a corporate and you just want to be better at sales do you think that that's a necessary way to go 100% I think you're going to see this industry explode in the next several years especially in the United States because I think so many people are realizing now that they're leaving so much on the table and especially, you know, especially in America, I'm not sure about Australia, but we have a significant high rate of neurological issues that are coming and we have like the statistics are just absolutely mind blowing of neurological issues, you know, dementia, memory loss, things like that, Alzheimer's. And what a lot of people are realizing now is if I just keep pushing, pushing, pushing and I hustle, hustle, hustle and I grind, grind, grind until I'm 40. I'll make it. I'll be there. Mm. But by the time they get to 40, they've worn and torn their brain and haven't supplied it with the right resources to do all that work that now they're paying taxes on it now. Mm. And they realize, wow, I just I just did all that and now I have to pay my dues for all that work that I just put in and it's not fun. It's not where I wanted to be at the end of this road when I got to that goal that was in my mind. And so I, thought, I think a lot of people are realizing, one, they need to finally create a program that creates the right resources to actually have a high performance brain and sustain it. And that way they can actually enjoy the fruits of their labor moving forward. And then two, I think the other thing with this is people are realizing that they're leaving so much on the table in terms of their output and what they actually could do. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a healthy brain, many people are floored by mm-hmm. how much focus, how much productivity increases, how great and how happy they feel, how much energy they have throughout the day. And I mean, it's like when you look at somebody like Tony Robbins, you go, man, how does this guy have so much energy all day? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he lives this. He lives doing that programming every single day. So what could you do with that kind of energy every single day? Mm. That's um, that's exact. That was the best answer you could have provided us. I love that. <laughs> good, um, good. I 100% agree. Well, Brady, it's been amazing having you on here. Thank you so much for all of your insights. Where can we find out more about you and how can we listen to your podcast? So you can find more on me by going to theneurolifestyle.com. And then if you want to listen to the podcast, it's The Neuro Lifestyle. We got some great episodes on there and hope to see you guys over there. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time. If you could go through, please, and rate this podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me. Have a fantastic day.